Hello everybody and welcome to the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast, the original Alien and Predator podcast. This is Aaron Percival aka Corporal Hicks and joining me as always are my fellow folk being thrown out of an, uh, an alien spaceship. Adam Zeller aka Rich Dunn. And Eric Adams aka Xenomorphine. And this is episode 171. We are discussing the second Marvel series, Predator the Preserve. Written by Ed Bryson again, returning from The Day of the Hunter with Netho Diaz taking over for pencils and Blardingo Brabo is inks. Colours are by Eric Arseniger. I apologise for all those butchered names. But yes, this is second of Marvel arc. The first arc, I think we we're all okay with. I think we all basically gave it sevens out of tens. I just revisited the podcast. I should remember this. But yeah, I think we all gave it seven out of tens. And I think for the most part, it was just theta we were all a little not too happy with. Now this one, I really fucking enjoyed it. Like not not a, not a ten out of ten, but definitely liked it more than Day of the Hunter. I'd probably I'd probably go for an eight eight and a half with this one. Still some issues. Well, I'd say I'd say I only really have one big issue, and that's again Theta. <laughs> that was her showing up at the end of the first issue, but we can talk about that in a bit. I, I thought the artwork was great. I really enjoyed that. I thought it was a nice, straightforward, simple story that played on the wider Predator lore, and it was super fucking fun to go and revisit um, the game preserve concept from Predators. I think this is the no, not the first, because we had the short story in AVP Ultimate Prey. Yeah, but you know, Predators isn't something that gets revisited often so that was a huge treat especially as you know somebody who has a real fondness for for that film so yeah really enjoyed this one i thought it was great and quite happy when this one was all said and done what about you adam what did you think of this one yeah better than the first definitely less stylized artwork this was going for more realism with the artwork so that was was nice to see i mean i didn't mind the stylized look of the first one it kind of reminded me of the original predator hunters comic but i do kind of prefer a look like this when it comes down to it so well when when you say realism i don't think we're talking like the kind of crap that you know the photorealistic kind of look that marvel star wars tries to do i think it felt more like a comic but without being a comic you know, it felt like a dark horse era piece of artwork i think yeah the art was was really well done i also appreciated them revisiting the game preserve planet concept i didn't have as much of an issue with theta i think in the original as well i didn't have as much of an issue with her and i do like how they develop her character here and her continuing on this quest beyond the initial revenge she got in the last comic and her interactions with these other human characters are really interesting as well but yeah overall i think i'd be right with you aaron i think i'd give it an eight i i enjoyed it more than the first and it seems like these these comics both alien and and predator are kind of moving in the right direction for marvel Eric, how about yourself? I think I gave the last one about 7 out of 10. This was kind of similar to me. Didn't have, like, major issues with it. Could it have been better? Some parts, yeah, most comics can. Could it have been worse? Yeah, a lot worse. It feels kind of like Marvel is hitting its stride better with the Predator comics than it is with the Alien. Agreed. Especially compared to, like, the debuts for Alien. Yeah, and I think I listened to a bit of the last podcast we did on the previous story i think aaron said that this is a fighter is a bit like machiko so this is not machiko doing not predators 
in a way, the whole first issue of this is basically a redo of Predators with original characters, and you find out they're from different time eras, which is interesting in itself. That wasn't taken as far as I would have liked, but it gives a miniature mystery which is kind of wrapped up. But as a whole, yeah, it's it's a nice little story. It's very A to B and does exactly what it says on the tin. Like Adam said, I, I quite like the artwork for this one. It's in keeping with being a comic, but without being cartoonish. I think we've all had issues when some, some of these comics feel cartoonish. This one, felt it felt high def and realistic-ish where it needs to. Some of the new characters are interesting in their own rights. But yeah, as a whole, I like seven out of 10 for me like eight out of 10 it's like it's when it's like a classic kind of thing and this didn't feel like a classic (laughs) surely that's a 10 surely that's a 10 we're gonna have another uh, score here we go with the scoring again no 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 10 out of 10 for me is absolutely per i don't know if any of the comics are 10 out of 10 but a little bit better than the previous comic i would say yeah seven slash eight I, i liked it so very straightforward plot as eric sort of said the first issue is very similar to predators where we find a bunch of original characters deposited on a planet who very quickly the survivors come together and then after being massacred by the predators who are then rescued by theta who then tries to get them to the ship some extra aliens on the planet getting stuck in which was nice as well but the it's basically theta trying to get off the planet with these survivors but then theta gets injured during a battle there's some of the survivors try and steal the ship while the others sort of work together and the ship gets brought back they all get on the ship they all head off a predator finds them because somebody turns on the black box there's a little bit of a mutiny involved which fucks everything up and then the predator shows up a bunch of fighting happens more people die and then everybody wins where do we where should we start with this one what's it was cool right off the bat to see the people falling and, and with the parachutes again, like, oh, we're doing Predators. All right, here we go. And it was also interesting because unlike Predators, we didn't have that moment where they're just figuring things out and like exploring a bit. They drop right in the middle of Predators attacking another group that is that has already landed there. And the character we follow actually doesn't last very long, the one we follow from, from the beginning. I liked it starting in running because, you know, this issue, uh, this series was five rather than six. And I thought it maintained a very nice pace throughout the entire run. And hitting the ground running, literally, I thought did well for the pacing of of the entire series. So, yeah, I very much liked it just being straight into the chaos. We learn on the run. We still get our, you know, we still get our pauses and everything. But it is, I was never bored reading this, this run. The thing I found kind of odd, though, was no mention of super predators here. Or I'm sorry, Aaron, berserker predators. I mean, I got the impression from the movie like they were the ones kind of doing the whole game preserve thing and they they brought the class of Predator there. But I don't know. This kind of raises the question. Maybe it's different. Maybe there's like territories of like you have certain clans that get certain territories and that was the whole thing with the feud in the the film. So, But there was a bit of... Wasn't there like lots of different (laughs) bits of backstory to the film? Like that I'm sure the comic insinuated one thing the motion comics in the dvds insinuated something else i don't remember it all very well offhand but like one of them suggested that the super predators had berserker predators had took this planet off the normal predators 
and all sorts of stuff like that. So I think it's an entirely non-issue and very wise to just avoid all that kind of... Yeah, it just leaves it to your imagination. Like, maybe the Predators are fighting over this planet, the different clans or whatever. And well, I mean, this one's not... It's not even remotely suggested it's the same planet. True. Well, it doesn't clarify it's not the same. I think that was a wasted opportunity. I think they should have done... Because it's a comic. They don't have a budget. I think one of the things I was hoping for... I thought, is it the same things? And there's not the Super Predators. So I think as soon as it clarifies it's just normal Predators, I think they should have done something different with, like, the vegetation. They should have had, like, man-eating plants or something just to say, yeah, this could be a different preserve or something. They're uh, still hunting in threes, though. Always in threes. Seems to be the Predator number. I think it being the same... Same planets are, again, an entirely non-issue. You know, before Predators even came out, the pinnacle of Predator literature had already visited this concept of a preserved planet. Oh, Forever Midnight. Forever Midnight, exactly. Yeah. And, and that was, I think, if I remember rightly in there, it was preserved planet such and such number. So I like the idea that there's many different kind of preserved planets because I've always liked the idea of the Predators having preserves. These sort of hunting grounds that they just drop folk off on. I think that's brilliant. So it being the same one, it being a different one is neither here nor there for me. But really, only the first part of the comic takes place on the planet. Like, I was expecting more of it to, but the, the meat of the comic is on Theta's ship, the, the Sandpiper, where we have these series of, of mutinies that, that happen between the characters. Three issues are on the planet's surface? Okay. maybe Yeah, it's, I think you're right. I think it's the start of issue three. I think it's the beginning of issue three. Or maybe towards the, yeah, towards the middle. But, I mean, the point is, you know, I think there's a good balance there. But just them revisiting this Predators concept, you know, because I am such a, I know, I know I'm like one of 10 people in the world. Now, there's more of us, we're just positive people are just quieter, you know, because it's not something that we see very often. The Predators fan inside me was like, yes, fucking yes, let's, let's revisit these kind of bits and pieces. And of course, as Eric was alluding to, the fucking River Ghosts are back. River Ghosts actually do something here. It's great. Yeah. Which, which was great. I mean, sure, it's mostly brawling. And it's not just one. There's a group of them, too. They basically do what aliens do in them. I was, I, I was kind of disappointed we didn't get a little more development into them as a, you know, a culture and society or whatever. But I was thrilled to see them back and be useful and threatening and, you know, deadly to the predators and actually show a reason as to why that one in the first film was there. That, that was really cool. Oh, can I just... I don't think they do mention the predator hounds, but I don't think they actually see the hounds. Which is weird. I mean, I mean, there's only finite room in the story. I don't think it would have been necessary. I don't think the comic missed anything not having them. No, that you would have thought when you it's the Chekhov's gun thing. When you mention it, it should. I'm guessing it was in a first draft. There is a new large alien creature though that they they find on the that attacks them on the preserved planet, and that was cool to see. It's like a tyrannid. <laughs> I thought it looked quite flowery weird tentacle mouth thing but it reminded me of that line that nolan had in predators like you know they drop shit you wouldn't believe yeah yeah that that was a nice expansion on the original concept you know to to see these see more of these other creatures that that was always as much as i love predators i do wish we'd have seen more other extraterrestrials in it so getting two two alien creatures sorry in this one should i say was was really satisfying to me yeah definitely so yeah with the group of characters it has the interesting 
introduction of the concept of the predators keeping prey on ice for a certain period of time. And then you have these people from different time periods and quickly they, they figure this out, like they're all from different time periods. And Theta and Paolo, her, her partner, were kind of surprised by this. They were like, really? What? You're all from different time periods. We didn't know about this. So it almost kind of sets it up as a sequel that maybe they'll go after like this facility where they're keeping all these different people on ice to uh, eventually drop on the preserve planet or planets. So this was actually something, and I kind of have to wonder if Ed Bryson saw or heard our interview or the many Screen Run articles that probably ripped off that information in it. But Adam, do you not remember when we spoke to Alex Lightback? Yeah, Die Hard on a Ship. Yeah, where he talked about the end, the idea being that all the characters had been cryo frozen from twenty whatever. Oh, right. And it ending with they being colonial marines. So I'm very curious to know if that was an intentional inspiration by you know the original intent for Predators. And we are going to have Ed Bryson on the show. I'm not sure when, but we, we, we're going to have him on the show. So we'll have to ask about how deliberate that was. But yeah, I thought that was really cool. You know, Eric mentioned that kind of wish they'd have been a little bit more played on there. And I kind of agree. But again, I always have to fall back on, you know, this is a comic. You don't get as much character in there especially on a limited series but i really enjoyed the scene we got in the cave i enjoyed their sort of interactions as they were figuring it out and that it wasn't that i don't like it when a mystery is kept too long especially when the reader is already clued in and i think this was part of the press material so it would have irritated me if it had gone on too long so i again talking about the pace i really do think ed bryson nailed the pace of this series and I think it was done at the right sort of speed there. But it was interesting. I liked hearing them figure it out from like the innocuous flow of the conversation. One of the characters was a part of a specific defense force when one of the other characters was like, that's bullshit. That was disbanded, you know, eight years ago. And another one popped up and went, no, it was 15 years ago. And them all sort of figuring it out. And how that then flowed into Theta and Paolo having no idea about this. You know, they're, they're very much set up as people who know a lot about the Predators. And this one is like, they had no idea about the Preserve or them being people there. They had no idea about this particular behavior of the Predators. So that sort of did a bit to bring Theta down, Theta and Paolo down a little bit from being these anti-Predator superheroes that the first issue kind of portrayed, at least Theta, the first series portrayed Theta as. So I liked that. Barry, you wanted more from from this dynamic. It, it felt like it was the big mystery which was being set up and then they very quickly realised, oh, they're just freezing us and throwing us out for just funsies. And it felt like they, no, they, they could or should have done a bit more with it. It's like it didn't really add anything to the story by bringing we're from different time periods in. I think what could have been interesting if they'd added someone I think the furthest back was someone from the 80s, which is technically modern day. I think it would have been interesting if you'd have had somebody from... In fact... I'm not sure 40 years is modern day, mate. I would think... It, no, I think it would have been interesting if you had some someone from like World War II or someone from that time, because then you bring in a bit more of the Predator mythos. And then it's too obvious. But that, then you're doing something with it as a more of a plot. As it was, it just felt like different time periods okay let's roll with it i just feel like they could have done something i mean i kind of liked it more subtle where they had to figure it out but it was still a span of like 40 to 50 years like still 
you have these two OWLF soldier characters that are a married couple and they're pretty distraught because they have find out later they have a daughter back home. But for them, it had been like, I think it was 2017 or 2018. But that was interesting in that it also, again, it's a comic, so you're not going to get huge character arcs, but it informed their motivations as, as the series went on. You know, for those OWLF members it was shit we have abandoned our daughter for when's this set it's in the 2060s isn't it so you know near enough 40 years so it informed their sort of decisions to be like shit well for this to be worthwhile we've got to bring something back but then on the other side you had like alan who was the character from the 1980s who was like I've got nothing. Everybody's probably dead. Do you mind if I join up with you guys? So I liked the way it informed some of the character motivations and interactions later down the line. Could there have been more? Sure. But I think that was fodder for, you know, a real deep dives fodder for a novel. You know, there's the is it Joseph Holden uh, novel whose entire thing is about time displaced characters in the Forever War, which brilliant fucking novel, by the way. If you haven't read it, I do recommend reading that. It's been a while since I've read it. And I should go back to it. But yeah, for for a comic... I thought it was very well used in the limited, you know, sort of five seri- five issue series. And it's a nice expansion of the Predator mythos. It feeds into this idea of the preserve. Again, love the preserve. The idea that they are kidnapping people of interest was always cool to me. But kidnapping them and just popping them in cryo was great. You know, the, the idea that the, there's perhaps some guy or checking the, the logs on a Predator computer going, oh, this guy sounds interesting. And keep an inventory, yeah. I think I think I fancy the the Japanese Defense Force guy. Let's pop him on. It's it's part of that wider mythos of of the predators when they're not killing. You know, the shipbuilders, the the bureaucracy kind of thing. There is an obvious issue with that. But the comic itself does acknowledge that you have Alan, the guy who's just basically he has fights in pubs and he says, well, you're all from the military. I'm just a bloke who just has a bro- I can't see why they, they're not keeping track of us guys. And you think as a reader, yes. Yeah. So it's nice that the comic itself acknowledges that. So it's still a bit. Why are they doing it? There was more to him than him just being a bruiser in a pub. You know, he was a an, an enforcer. Yeah, but. He just, he just beats people. He's nothing special. But it's nice that the comic itself acknowledges this. So it's implying there might be history, which I like. I found it, I thought it was more in terms of hanging a light on Edwin in that they were aware of more than just obvious deadly people. That he's always been a plot hole in Predators. They shouldn't have known. That was his secret. I didn't find that the problem with Edwin in the film. He was. I think he was miscast for a start. And they didn't work it properly. The idea no, but that they his were secret was he's a serial killer. The predators didn't have any way to know. Why is that not interesting? It's interesting, but the predators had no way to know it. So why did they pick him? Well, no, that that's why it is interesting in terms of how the predators keep track of these characters that aren't the obvious deadly soldiers. I think yes, that's fascinating. But they had no way to know that was his secret. How did they not? They were obviously tracking. I mean, they they were following people around on the planets and they would have to like see, okay, this person is like a killer. We're, we should abduct this person. That would make for an interesting comic, actually, is to follow around these predators on Earth that are doing the abducting and seeing them like track different prey and stuff. But yeah, I liked the, the, the little arc with Alan as well. I thought it was cool, like, because at first he seemed very surprised, like, I just beat people up in a pub, right? But then he opens up more about his past, like, I used to be an enforcer. They used to call me the axe. I'm not proud of what I did. So maybe he was, you know, considered it surprising that someone would know about that if it was more in his past and he hadn't been living that life for a while. And I just really liked Alan. 
I was genuinely upset when he died. It was a little bit predictable. As soon as, like, he was the equivalent of in a World War II film where you have a soldier go, oh, I got a wife and a kid. I got, I got to get through this hellhole. And, you know, he's the guy who's going to die straight off. Alan did a similar thing. You know, oh, when this is all over, I want to join up. And I thought, you've just killed yourself. But I thought he was going to at least get a good hit. Here. Yeah, not him not using him not using the axe for a character named the axe, known for using an axe, having a big ass predator axe. It felt like why? It was a little Nolan-ish in terms of his demise. I wanted to see him do something, but Predator shows up. Hello, gone. I think the thing with Nolan is the death's cartoonish which I think is where that fails for me personally when it comes to him just being killed. I don't. I never have a problem with characters meeting sudden, unfair deaths. And I didn't feel dissatisfied that Alan died. It was more just a, oh, but I actually fucking liked him, more of a response than a, oh, this is a bit stupid. I, th- I think Nolan's death is stupid. I didn't think Alan's was. It's interesting that you have kind of multiple mutiny attempts with the people she picks up for different reasons. Like the first one just doesn't trust the corporation that's on the planet. They were going to drop all these people off on when this was over. And then the second group, they were the OWLF soldiers and they were thinking Theta was keeping too much of this information for herself. And if Theta, you know, as much as she gives Isla slap, like, Oh, your daughter would be so proud. You're the reason like the predators found us and we're all your husband's dead and, and other people are dead because you turned on this thing without talking to me. And she's very apologetic until she gets her head blown off. She's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I never meant to. And then she's dead. But at the end, Theta kind of acknowledges like, you know, they were actually kind of right. Like, I should be sharing more of this information. Which I think was what was interesting about both the mutiny attempts. You know, I couldn't fault any of them for doing it as much as it was a shit thing to do. And I like it when... I like it when characters do bad things for understandable and justifiable reasons. So I did actually quite enjoy both of those motivation attempts. I did think it was funny, though, Theta's not wanting to hear her apology. Because, yes, at the end of the day, those OWF characters had no idea. You know, they didn't know that turning that on would make it so that the Predators could track them. But at the end of the day, they were also completely responsible for the deaths aboard. So I love it when there's lots of shades of grey in what's going off. And and that was very much a lot of what was happening with the back end of this comic. Really satisfying to me. Really satisfying. I really like Theta getting knocked down a peg in this. My my issue with the first series was mainly in Marvel and Ed rushing to make Theta Machiko. You know, that was my issue. It felt unearned. You know, I wanted to see her on her first hunt of a predator. Not having killed 30 fucking something predators as we're at in here. And that's where I hated the end of the first issue because as they were all panicking and running and dying, you know, it was so cool seeing the predators actually be lethal in that first issue. But as it was getting to the end of it, I was like, Theta's going to show up, kill this predator without any problem and save everybody, which is fucking exactly what happened and was a little bit dissatisfying to me because I, going into the first issue, I still felt like Theta wasn't quite earned. I didn't feel like Marvel earned her. But then throughout this run, actually seeing her fail and earn it was a lot more satisfying for her in this one. You know, she loses an arm because she was distracted. 
she allowed herself to be distracted by something and suffers for it. And she then begs the predator to just fucking end it. And I liked seeing her earn this kill, her expertise, but also realizing that they didn't know quite as much about the predators as they thought they did. Because I think that's the problem with the first one is the predators felt severely fucking underpowered that's a problem i have with any alien or predator stuff i hate it when the alien or predators are just dispatched easily i hate it because that's not the point of the films you know the point of the films is it takes effort it takes intelligence it takes smarts and in predator's case it takes luck you know the first film relies on luck well i like that line where they they ask yeah how do you kill them And they're like bullets lots and lots of bullets and a lot of luck <laughs> and it felt like predator in here, you know, the first run never felt like Predator in terms of how they would deal with them. I think there was one part in the first run that I thought was, you know, ingenuity. And it was it was Theta using the hoverbikes engine to kill one of them. But throughout this, it felt a little bit more like that apart from that first kill. But yeah, I was a lot happier with Theta's portrayal in here and, and Paolo's. You know, I don't think Paolo had as much to do, which was a little unfortunate. But what he did have in here, I really enjoyed. And, you know, the dynamic that he had with Theta and patching her up and uh, stuff like that. So, yeah, I was, I was a lot more interested in Theta in here. And sort of the fact, you know, we criticized the end of the first run in our podcast where Theta achieved her goal of killing the predator that killed her parents. So it's like, well, what are we going to do now? It was basically, oh, go find predators and kill them, I guess. Yeah, Let, let's try and take out the entire species. But this one ended with less of a genocidal maniac kind of take of let's go find more of these humans. Let's go save them. And I liked that a lot more than the let's go wipe out a species kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's very cartoonish often when you get someone, I, I've got something to kill or die for. And the, the mirror, the inverse of that is how about finding something to live for? You'll find you're finding the positive in that. And I, I liked that. It was we're going to find more more human. And especially because of the time frame thing where they're taken from different time periods. I'm sure that's going to come into it more in later stories. And I can almost guarantee it. It, it felt nice, as you say. It's not like just continue the struggle to kill. It's finding something to live. That was a nice thing. Yeah, no, it, it was interesting that they had that, that final survivor. I almost thought like, oh, maybe she'll stay with them as well. But it's like, no, you know, she wants to get back to Earth. And they still managed to save somebody, but they bring up that point like, hey, at least we saved one person. <laughs> And that made it worth it. And it was interesting seeing kind of the, the bond that had developed between Theta and Paolo, because this is like five years after the first arc. I was surprised it was that long after the first arc, honestly. But seeing them have developed more companionship and relying on each other, I thought was a good development for these two characters. And I'm looking forward to seeing what their next journey is. I, I do see room for more stories with Theta. I'm not tired of her as a character, you know, it hasn't gotten like Amanda Ripley with her. So, yeah. I still want a prequel series with her doing her first sort of encounters and her first kills. Because I'm always hung up on this, you didn't earn it. So I'm kind of like really hoping that they'll do an annual or something where it's perhaps, you know, an early, early hunt to show us theta learning and developing and, and figuring out these skills. And I, I do think it's a little it's unfair, unfortunate, perhaps that I can't get over it. Well, you'll notice when her and Alan, they, you know, they put on all the stuff and he says to her, well, you know, can you move with all that weight? 
And yes, he does mention that it is like power armor, basically. And at that point, I thought, oh, is that them acknowledging she was doing it a bit too easily in the first run? It felt like a... But that, that retcon is okay, because it doesn't justify it. But like like you, I would have preferred in the original if it had been, you know, she's on the... She's tracking one. But then she she does like a flashback and most of the story would have been about the early adventures and then it flashed forwards and right at the end of that, it would have been like after she's killed however many. And it may be she didn't kill them all by one-on-one combat. Maybe some of them were caught in a spaceship explosion or something. That would have worked better. Or just showing a bit of traps and ingenuity and stuff like that. You know, that that was something we didn't get to see a lot of in the first series no and and you'll notice in the first and second predator film the film draws you in when it's dutch and harrigan having to function as the underdog they're not just setting up traps because that's their professional they're doing it because you know necessity is the mother of invention and that makes them more interesting so it would have that's why with a character like theta okay doing the same kind of thing but she'd have had access to knowledge of physics and stuff that we don't now have now it would have been more interesting if she had the underdog status to start out yeah you know even predators royce's use of the fire as a, a way to blind you know the berserker and being able to get in and out until predator does you know what we obviously know it can do and change the vision mode to find some other way of seeing it but you know it's him it's royce using that you know intelligence and and cunning and ingenuity to try and find a way around it that was sort of something that i've always felt we lacked with theta's methods it's just you know like i mentioned that that bike a bit which was cool and there was a bit towards the end of the first run where it looked like you know theta was demonstrating a knowledge of the predators in where she was like we need to draw it in we need to get it you know close quarters so it can't move and be agile and stuff like that and the predator recognizing what she was doing and throwing a bomb in the room but then we end up with this really anticlimactic end to that fight where it just wasn't satisfying and it never felt quite like predators in that way and to be fair, to some degree, I don't think the combat in this also hits that. You know, the first death was entirely by surprise, which I suppose is kind of predator-ish in that the predator was tunnel visioned on, you know, the prey in front of him. So that sort of speaks towards the, you know, the overconfidence, the arrogance that can sometimes be the downfall of them. And I suppose they only, yeah, they kill the second one. The third one, sorry, should I say. That's a tough fight, I thought. You know, it did feel like Theta was about to die. It seemed like everybody else had died. And there was a really cool panel of, like, you know, the Predator leaning down, the blood of everybody else sort of dripping off its mask and onto her face. So that was kind of that was kind of a nice earned one. But I thought the second death was... I was unsure about it because it was the Predator killed himself. That I'm glad you brought that up. That was actually probably my main nitpick of the whole comic because the predator was injured by this pack of of the river ghosts and then one of his hunting partners shows up and saves him and then he just activates his self-destruct and kills himself and i was like well he was defeated so it's a honor thing but it goes to what you were saying aaron it's a bit too space samurai ish i'm like well if he's still alive he can heal himself and rejoin the hunt like and I don't think it was like he was even missing any limbs or couldn't carry on fighting. It was literally just, it looked like he was about to, maybe it was because he was about to die. Like if, if the hunting guy hadn't showed up, the predator, it was going to die at the hands of the river ghost. But it did sort of make me, I did raise my eyebrow at that one because you know how much I hate my, my predators as Klingons. So yes, yes. 
I fully agree. It felt like I'm I was about to be defeated, so I must kill myself. Like yeah, pre- predators feel like they just fuck you. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna learn from this and go all harder. They're not just gonna go. Okay, hands up. Yeah, I I hate that. I hate the honor thing with the predators, especially because you know. <sighs> I did, the first one in the fucking comic shows evidence of failure, I suppose, in a way. You know, because I, I was good he died. I think he was easily the best designed predator in the comic. But he had a huge hole in his mask. You know, that that is evidence of failure in a way right there. Because something's obviously done enough damage to put a hole in his fucking space mask. So, yeah... I wasn't too keen on that death, and I wasn't too keen on that particular Predator design going out so early. I do wish, I think in the comics in general, I do wish did a better job at making the Predators a bit more unique in terms of their appearances. You know, it's one of the great things about the film films is all the individualistic designs of the Predators, and the comics, I think, need to do a better job of, of embracing that. Yeah, because there's really only been like a few predator characters in comics that we like prominently remember, right? Like the Chande, like like Ahab. Yeah, but you'll remember it's not. Yeah, it's not just visually look. I mean, I can say it's nice to see it when they've got something distinct. But the other thing, I think the EU in general, I think needs to work better on making predator behavior more like individual. Because then it's like, okay, you can look really awesome but then if it doesn't act any to a generic predator number five or something then you come back to the whole you haven't earned it thing. they're just making it look good but you're gonna have a predator dressed up as normal but something it does something a little bit off about like you go back to the original predator this is without any of the sequels we've not seen any of that yet but you had that moment where arnold he says come on kill me kill me and you were expect monster rubber suit guy to go, right, I'm going to kill you. And you expected Arnold Schwarzenegger to kick that. It was going to kill the Predator. And it did something which, at that time, we as film audiences weren't prepared for, where it goes to, and then it notices these shots, and it even sort of caresses one with its thumb, and it says, over there, you stay there. I'm going to go bypass. That felt, yeah, this is something different. And that was part about what made the Predator, oh, I want to see more of this. That made that original Predator, it, it's had experience. It knows tricks and stuff. Like in the first AVP film, the Anderson film, where you had Scar. He wasn't like the Predator that got killed because it was arrogant. There was an alien creeping down and without even looking at it, it just kills it without even looking at it. Puts it away. That feels like a, someone who's seen stuff done stuff he's probably been injured or or had someone he knows she knows been injured in the past he's learned from i would like more predators to look like they've been through things and have learned and they adapt their behavior yeah it might be something emotional but something extra would make that predator i want to see more of them regardless of what they're wearing Again, this is this kind of going to that desire to see an early hunt with Theta, but it'd be nice to like see one predator in a series, you know, give it a chance to have quirks, give it a chance to give be given character. You know, there's a reason we all fondly remember Ahab or fondly remember, you know, Broken Tusk or the Bad Blood or the Enforcer, you know. Less focus on them dying, more focus on the predator characters and being threatening to the protagonists. And what have the Predators done to have earned those trophies? What have they done? I still think, yeah, there should there should be like a comic where the Predator is the main character. We really haven't seen that much, if at all. 
the comics are a good place to do it. You know, I I would never, and I think it's unrealistic for any of the fans that sort of whine about it to expect, a, you know, it in a theatrical release. It's never going to happen. But places like comics, places like animated shorts or straight to DVD animated kind of things, yeah, I think is a great place to, to play around with it. The last thing Predators need in the films is to be further demystified, to stay with the Predator all the time. In the comics, like even a, like a 20-minute CGI, film or something fantastic you can do that but with a film it's going to be what hour and a half two hours you stay with the predator all the time we need to mystify them that's one of the things i loved about prey they brought that sense of a mythological less is more thing people forget less is more is so powerful when it's done right and that was even with spending time with feral you know prey wasn't shy about giving the scenes with feral but yes I completely agree. And I, I agree with you, Adam. Yeah, it would be cool just to see a bit more individualisticness going on. I guess we've we've seen it a couple times in some earlier comics like Blood Time, you know, but usually they're like the shorter run ones, you know, they're the one-offs, but yeah. Also, I'll say it's interesting that the OWLF soldiers references to the, the Predator 2018, like Stargazer and they said Tennessee and Georgia. I'm like, y'all keep referencing this movie that we didn't like. It's like at this point, just give us the director's cut already if you're going to keep doing that. Did you also notice they did it, AWLF, they did it wrong. They said other world life. That's the way Wikipedia has it. Really? I've, I've always seen it as other world life form or other world's life form. I don't know. I, I prefer otherworldly life. That sounds better. But what I remember in, the, in Predator 2, they, they out and out say other world. Or it's got it written down on the screen, I think. I don't know. I did very much like having them being OWLF characters there. You know, this was something we talked about in the past on other things where it always felt like a waste never revisiting the concept of the OWLF. One of the reasons the Predator was kind of shitty was getting rid of that concept and going for this crappy Stargazer thing. And, you know, it was one of the things we praised about hunting grounds. It was, was returning it to. So I really liked seeing them in this, seeing those two characters in this thought that was a great sort of fix again then you know they're not the they're not the primary characters in this although they end up being you know a big part a big antagonist towards the end of the run but this series had a lot of little things that i was like yes this works you know things with like the river ghost things with like revisiting the hunting preserve but there was lots of smaller elements i was like yes this is this is good i like this this is kind of things i wanted to to see again but yeah, this was the, the second thing that mentioned like, oh, we were Stargazer for a while and now we're OWLF again. So I guess that is kind of being taken and, and ran with after Hunting Ground. So that's nice. Did anybody notice that Theta had a converted plasma caster as a pistol? No, oh, this was when I noticed it was when she was arming up with Alan in the ship's armory. And yeah, it, lo it looked like she'd converted a plasma caster, put like a little foregrip on the front of it and was, was holding it like a pistol, which I thought was cool. I like that. I thought that was a callback to Requiem. I don't know if it was. felt like it. And I'm still annoyed by the artists putting dreadlocks on the masks. Yes, I, I was the one who picked up on that last time. You did check. Oh, yeah, they are. I mean, I think it looks cool. I don't know what the practical reason it would be for her is. Maybe if she wanted to like try and trick a predator or something, but they're not going to be fooled by that. So it's like, what's the reason? I, I told you guys last time she's a psycho. She's taken a scalp and she's nailed it in there. It's, it's like the silly fucking mechanical dreadlocks on the predator hunter suit at the end of the predator. It's a mask. The dreadlocks aren't a part of the mask. Can we stop putting them on theater, please? But it would, it serves a purpose because there were a 
couple of scenes where she and a predator went head to head and i was thinking okay one is the predator if it, she didn't have the dreadlocks it would serve differentiate her in the predator armor against the other one like when machiko did it she'd after a while she'd made her hair into dreadlocks which i think was a mistake i think if she just had more hair with the predator mask it actually suits her better in the machiko here it would have been the same i would have preferred her not having the dreadlocks it would help yeah but that's about her assimilation into the predator culture though isn't it that's all part of that art that war arc but theta's not doing that theta's just doing it like jerry rigging herself to hunt i i genuinely think it's just a mistake i do too yeah well unless they're gonna bring it in in another sequel maybe they'll explain it so i don't really have a lot more to say about this one it's just one i genuinely enjoyed aside from a few wines and and i, I think it it says something to it in terms of they do lots of little things that I would love to see expanded on without being frustrating. You know, Aliens Infiltrator frustrated me because there was lots of little things in that that I liked that I wanted to see expanded, but the Infiltrator did it poorly, which was frustrated me even more. I didn't have this with Predator the Preserve. You know, it was lots of little things I liked all wrapped up in a really entertaining package. Sure, I would love to see certain elements given more focus or specific focus in, you know, in a future series, in a future comic, in a future short story, you know. But it was all still so genuinely entertaining that it was all just part of a really nice package and I really liked it. I thoroughly enjoyed rereading this and I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting the trade and revisiting it again. And I hope that other pieces of lore going forwards pick up on some of the stuff in this and, and run with it. Definitely. And, and if you are interested in picking up the, the trade, any of you watching or listening, it comes out October 24th. So that is when the trade paperback and the uh, digital version of all of them together is scheduled to release. Interesting, during this run, there was kind of a bit of rebranding with the, the publishing. I mean, it's still produced by Marvel, but they changed like the prominent Marvel logo on the front. And now it's like 20th Century Studios logo. And I guess they're doing that with both this and the Planet of the Apes comics. That's right, and Alien as well. They might be aligning for future screen releases. They might be trying to get the brand kind of... Yeah, I just would have thought Marvel was more more of a selling point, I guess. And it's not like them being Marvel comics has reduced the amount of gore that was in them or anything like that. So, yeah, it's, it's a marketing choice I don't understand, but, you know, I'm not a... You'd have to ask a Disney executive, I'm sure. It's, it's word come down from on high. I think they're just trying to make one single brand. So final thoughts from you guys? Yeah, solid. Like I said about Nate, like I definitely recommend it. I thought it was better than the first Predator arc, certainly better than the first few Alien arcs. Not to get too into it on this podcast, but I've, I've been enjoying what I've read of Thaw so far. So seems like things are looking up for, for Marvel with these franchises. So that's awesome. That's what I like to see. Yeah, it's worth picking up. It's a fun read. Don't look for anything too deep, but if you just want the some Predator action, I think it's also worth pointing out I don't think you even need to have read the previous story. I think you can just jump into this one. If you don't haven't read the previous one, I don't think it harms the stores. Yeah, sorry I was so uh, croaky today, everybody. I just got over a cold, so that's uh, never fun. But You've been using that as an excuse, haven't you? Yes, actually. <laughs> So thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you know, be, be sure to head on over to evpgalaxy.net and check out our other podcasts, check out our other content. Head on over to our YouTube page, you know, check out some of our videos. I just did a big law piece on Paul Church in the comic, in, in 
in the a comic book adventure game and a very near return to the current expanded universe. It's all in there. Head on over to the you know YouTube and check out the other bits and pieces. And hopefully the Patreon is up by the time I've done this. Head on over, support us if you're able to, and help us get more content out to you. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Corporal Hicks. If you'd like to follow me personally, it's at RidgeTop21 on both Instagram and X, I guess it is now. I've been doing some videos, cinema films with AJ Voodoo Magic, for those of you who remember him. That's on the YouTube channel of The Beer and The Brandy and my own YouTube channel, so space. Right, well, thank you everybody for listening or watching. It's been Corporal Hicks. Rich Top. Xenomorphin. Get into the chopper.